You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Definitely good to see everybody this morning. Uh, hopefully you're feeling about today the way I am and that I, I woke up this morning kind of excited. No, we have the opportunity to be a part of internationally. And uh, again, for those of you that are visiting with us, we're a, a part of a family of churches throughout the world. Uh, today represents something very special for us and that we have the opportunity. There's two succinct ministries that we have an incredible opportunity to influence and have impact, and that's our churches in the Middle East, as well as our churches, sister churches in Mexico and Central America. What we do today throughout the coastal Los Angeles region is we take up a special offering for those churches, and the amount that we're committed to on an annual basis has been $400,000. Over the last few years, we've actually, we've hit that number. It's been an incredible encouragement to those churches. And what we're going to do right now is spend a little bit of time walking through the influence that we've been able to have, and out of the freedom that we have and the wealth that we have, the difference that that really makes internationally. Wanted to go ahead and uh, turn things over to Jacqueline right now, and she'll kind of walk us through some different things in the Middle East. Good morning. Um, it is a great privilege um, to share with you this morning. It's uh, very humbling to get to talk about special missions contribution. This is our 26th, I think. Well, in the early days, we had two or three, sometimes four, special contributions a year. Um, so I don't know what this is, but this is the 26th year <laughs> that we've been giving special missions contribution. And, um, you know, I've never been on a mission team. Um, I've never had to uh, sell everything I owned and do the one suitcase challenge, as we used to call it, and go and serve to start a mission team uh, in a place that had never heard about Jesus, the true Jesus, the Bible Jesus. And... Um, so it becomes a little bit challenging, right? When you're not the one actually doing the going. Um, I remember Marty Fuqua used to say, uh, you go and pray or you, uh, you, you, you stay and pray or you, um, and you, and you uh, stay and you give. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were really challenged to pray and to give, um, pray for those that were going and then give um, out of uh, our wealth, what God has already given to us for special missions contribution. This is something that we do uh, once a year now. Um, I am grateful for that, (laughs) Uh, that it's not three or four times a year. It was really challenging. But I do know that I feel like my heart sometimes then was moved even more, way more, because it was more of a challenge uh, to actually give that contribution. And I remember selling my wedding ring. Uh, This ring I have now is not my wedding ring that Steve gave me. We sold it for special contribution. Um, You know, and, and just selling different things and and, um, trying to raise money in different ways. And I think today the challenge, at least for me, is to remember, to remember why we do what we do and to remember um, that we do it for God. I mean, God over and over in the Bible tells us, I mean, in the Old Testament alone, there's 125 uh, scriptures that use and reference remembering. And they're called, they call us to remember the Lord, remember <clears throat> why we do what we do, remember God. When we, you know, when we come into the land of flowing milk and honey, so to speak, uh, that we don't forget the Lord. And in the New Testament, there's um, over 40 um, 
passages that speak about remembering. And so I don't know about you, but for me, the challenge with special missions is I sit here in this comfortable church every Sunday and we give monthly to special so we don't have this huge amount that we give at one time. So it's easy not to feel it, you know, really, to be honest. It's, it's easy not to really um, think about it and really um, remember why we're doing what we're doing and remember the Lord. And in Genesis 9:15, after the flood, God says to, to his people, never again will I flood the earth. God says he will remember us and all the living creatures. And in Deuteronomy 8:18, it says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. I mean, all that I have and all the wealth that we have here is only because God allows it, only because God has given us the ability to produce that. Amen. And and what we're called to do, and it's very biblical, it's all over the Bible, especially the Old Testament, about um, having uh, special offerings, um, is we're called to support the churches that we have committed to over the years uh, to support. Many of these churches are never going to be self-supporting because they are in third world impoverished um, nations and, and countries. And so, you know, sometimes I can think too, I'm like, well, we're giving $400,000 every year. What is going on? Like, when are they going to be self-supporting? But some of these places are never going to be self-supporting. So for me, it really helped my heart to go and see. It helped my heart to go on a medical brigade, to go back down to Mexico, to see some of the churches and the people that we support. Many of these people, um, I mean, we pay for their facilities. We pay for their full-time people. They're giving, but what they give cannot even support one full-time couple. And we're talking one full-time couple for an entire ministry. For like our church right here would have maybe one full-time couple. We're blessed with the Peckmans who do our youth ministry. Who do you know? We're blessed with Man. with the Craigs that do many, many, many things besides what we see up here and in, in, in admin. Um, we're blessed now with uh, the Steebergs, right? Um, prayerfully, you feel blessed that we're here. <laughs> so. I mean, we feel blessed to be here, but I mean, we have four full-time couples and some of you probably still feel like, you know, when are we going to do this? When is this going to change? When is this going to happen? I mean, this is with four full-time people and I think we don't, we just need to, to be reminded of why we do what we do. And so, um, and remembering what we do, the challenge today again is for me to remember. So when we went to the Middle East last year, um, it has it really moved my heart to see uh, what God has done. You guys would be so proud of what God has done with your money. What God, I mean, and it's all going to burn anyway, right? I mean, we can't take it with us. I don't know. It seems like this generation doesn't need more money. They need probably to earn their own money, give them a little more character. Um, but uh, it, it just seems to me like, I wish we could all see, I wish we could all go to the Middle East. I wish we could all go on a medical brigade to see what God is doing with what you have given. And many of you have been doing this longer than we've been doing this. Every year giving. And you could have bought homes by now. Or, you know, bigger homes, better cars, newer cars. Um, you know, and, and so I really want to share about one, one situation. And I want to share about Simon Hen. Um, this is Simon. This is your brother, Simon. 
And um, he leads, him and his wife lead the church in Cairo, Egypt. And Simon was converted here in the States, went to, uh, went to college here, was converted in the campus ministry. And he did not want, he was Jordanian, he did not want to go back to the Middle East. But uh, after uh, his visa was up, after he finished school, he had to go. Simon shared that he hated being Arab. And he came to America, went to San Diego State University. He was baptized after some time, graduated, went back to Jordan, did not want to go back, hated being Arab. But after Simon had served his country in the military there, um, he went home and shared his testimony. We had no church there. Simon, though, placed his life in the hand of God. Simon's life outside the hand of God, he probably would have been very successful anyway. He was a college graduate, very sharp, good guy. Um, he probably would have gone on to make really good money and probably would have found a way to stay in America and, and built his dream here. But instead, placing his life in the hand of God, he went home and he shared his testimony with some of his family members. Three years later, um, we were able to send a team to Jordan. And... Um, from that, what happened is, is you ask yourself, well, what can, what can one Arab student in Jordan do to change the world? But what God did with Simon was one Arab student placed his life in the hand of God. And when the church was planted, there were eight people that Simon had baptized. Then from there, um, the, they planted the church. So they, when they got there, there were already eight disciples there. So this one little church planting, one Arab man who hated being Arab at the time, who didn't want to go home, but placed his hands in the life of God, placed his life in the hands of God. From one church, there's 22 churches. Over 26 family members of them alone are saved. And there's hundreds and hundreds of lives that have been changed and souls that have been saved. That's what happens with one life. That's what God can do when we really surrender it all. And so the challenge for me today is to remember that, I don't know about you, one dollar in my wallet doesn't go very far. <laughs> but what God can do in multiplying what I give is amazing. And when we give collectively what God does with that and the lives that change, that we're not even, we're going to stand in heaven one day. I don't know how it's going to go. But I know we're going to be happy we're there. Um, but I imagine somehow we're going to be able to see and know all these souls that God is, that are going to march into heaven along with us and go, these were people that were saved. Yes, of course, because of Jesus, but because you guys sacrificed and gave and look what God did with it. I mean, the money that I put, that I give today, the money that we give today, I know if I had it in my hand, it's not going to produce very good. I mean, you know, I'll probably get some good shoes out of it, maybe a good dress, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, down payment for a car. But that's all going to be burned up. It's for naught. It's for nothing. Temporary pleasure. And I have to remember, I know the challenge for me this morning is remember, when I place my resources, my talent, my time, my money, my life in the hands of God, what he does with it is incredible. 
And we're, we're not, we are not even going to know. There's no way we're going to know in this life what God has done with that. But we will get to see one day. I believe we're going to get to see one day what God has done with that. With our time, with our, our resources, our talents, and with our money. What God has produced with all of that when we place it in his hands. And it is a great privilege the challenge for me to remember what a great privilege it is to be able to give special missions contribution. What a great privilege, privilege it is to have brothers like Simon who sacrifice it all. A brother Sammy, who we met in the Middle East, he, many of you were here years ago, you remember, Sammy was in prison for three years. Family had no idea whether he was alive or dead. Beaten every day for being a Christian and then one day just let out on the streets and made it home to his family. Stayed faithful to God. He leads one of the churches there now, him and his wife. And it's just amazing to see what God has done. Let's do the next slide. Simon, Simon, say hi. He's kind of shy, you can tell. <laughs> um, these are the churches in the Middle East now. And the churches in... Um, Highlighted in yellow, those are the churches that our church supports. We can do the next slide. And then let's go to the next slide. You probably have to click it again. Hi. My name is Manuel. We are from uh, Lebanon Church of Christ. So uh, basically we are part of uh, Singles Ministry and we are engaged. My name is Lilith and uh, I'm very excited to be uh, part of this conference here in, in Jordan. Um, we're so happy because we are getting married in a month and two weeks. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. We love you, Los Angeles. And love you so much. All the best. God bless you. Ciao. These guys are great. Um, they, were in the, they were in the singles ministry, leading in the singles ministry. She also mixed the board, played the piano. I mean, it was crazy. Translated. She translated, dancing. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and uh, they're super excited. Obviously, they're married now. But again, this is what I'm talking about. This, these are the lives that are changed. Uh, you know, two single people that come together as disciples, get married, you know, I'm sure they're going to end up having kids. But then what does that marriage produce? Because they got married as Christians. Then what do their kids produce? And, and just exponentially, we just have no idea what this is going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years just because they became disciples. I think we have another. another. Okay, this is the church in the Sudan. There's two churches in the Sudan. Um, we could not go into the Sudan. Only Mike and um, Simon were able to go in. And honestly, it was very secretive, very underground, um, because they were bringing money to the church that we had raised. And so they had to be very careful. Um, but these are your brother, uh, brothers and sisters, some of them in the churches in the Sudan. And then um, the next slide. Uh, the top right picture is um, where, that's their restrooms. The bottom right picture is their library, <laughs> and then this is another uh, this is another facility that they had met in, and then this is um, their kids' kingdom hut, um, and so it's just amazing to see uh, the conditions that that you know most of us would be like, whoa, like if we came to this in our country, we would never come back. We'd be like, wow, that church is whoa, you know, we'd you'd probably never go in. You'd probably drive up looking to go, yeah, no, I'm not going in there, but. Um, 
But anyway, uh, this, was, this is what our brothers and sisters across the world are doing with, with our contribution. And so I just, uh, again, I just want to encourage all of you and thank you, first of all, for your hearts to give. But um, second of all, hopefully to just remind you of why we do what we do. It's to glorify God. It's to save and change people's lives not only for our life, and what a great privilege it is that we live for a purpose that is going to be beyond our life. It goes beyond this life that is going to last forever. Amen. Okay. Uh, transitioning to uh, Mexico and Central America, uh, the couple here are Zach, Hector and Dolce, who lead the uh, church in Honduras. And just even from a standpoint of the numerics that Jackie was sharing earlier, the church they lead is right around 800 people. And when it comes to their leadership, you're looking at it. That is the only paid couple that they have for their entire church throughout Honduras. And it's amazing the impact that they've been able to have, the lives that are being changed. And we have the opportunity to participate in a couple fronts. We've done it with Hope. Uh, the Hope Medical Brigades down there have been enormous as far as the degree of impact with various health issues and such that they have. But I wanted to be able to share about a few of the other situations that we have uh, in Mexico and Central America. One of them uh, is regarding Josue Ortega. And uh, you can kind of see the specifics here, but I wanted to read the letter that he wrote us that kind of talks about some of the impact that we're enabling them to have down there. Uh, he says, uh, this is an incredible news update that twice a year the leaders in Central America choose a church to encourage, strengthen, and revive their campus ministry. This year we went to San Pedro Sula in Honduras. This is Josue talking here. We took 11 campus students from different churches in Central America, San Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, and spent a week with them. Every day we went to the National University and had a couple of Bible talks we had a devotional once we arrived to the campus, and then we took 10 minutes to share our faith and bring visitors to the Bible talk. After the Bible talk, we set up the Bible with most, the most open students in the afternoon. We had a leadership training program for the 11 students that we call missionaries. At night after dinner, we prayed together, and they did the following from day to day to day. There's multiple campuses that they, they've been having this kind of impact with. Um, he said that uh, they're going to do the same thing in Managua. Uh, Mapasillo in late September and next week the same program is going to be started in San Salvador. He says, I feel so grateful to God for all the success and I also would like to express my gratitude to you and to the MCA for trusting in our campus program. Thanks for your su financial support. We were able to run the program because of it. Josue Ortega. Uh, Nicaragua. We've got a little video here for you of the uh, church in Nicaragua. gives you a little bit of a taste. And then uh, we have the uh, teen ministry and their English uh, program that we've got. Oh, 
kind of give you a little bit of a flavor. It, it's so cool, one, when you go someplace else and hear songs that you know, obviously not in a language that you're familiar with, but you know, we kind of saw that with the first one there. And when it comes to this English program, uh, it's ESOL, which is English for Speakers of Other Languages. We, we witnessed this in Honduras, and the only way that these individuals have the opportunity to break out of the impoverishment that so many of them are part of is ultimately English. Uh, in Honduras, it was, it was, I get emotional just thinking about it, in that we went into this village, and there are these 12 and 13-year-olds that are pregnant. Most of the children in that society don't even know who their fathers are. And again, it's amazing how our funds and the programs that we've been able to generate and something that we take for granted, obviously the English language, is the means of these people actually breaking out of some of these villages, getting into teaching positions, being able to be employable, when it, whether it's something as simple as working as a barista or working in a mall or these things. And again, we take these opportunities for granted, but they'd have no means of doing anything other than continuing to have children and ever breaking this cycle that they have because of the poverty and the areas that they live in. But realizing that all those teen girls that you saw singing are going to have opportunities that are not, have not been afforded to them in the past. And it's just encouraged me to know that there are the abilities for those types of chains that can be broken. And then also the, the, from an even larger scale, what that stands for them from a standpoint of eternity moving forward. Oh yeah, this is a scripture we're going to be talking about a little bit later here as well, but kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. For me, the reward is being able to see the differences that are being made, people that have been in a society or a situation that's hopeless, in so many ways having hope for the first time. Uh, our elders and training program uh, that's taking place throughout Mexico City, I mean, we're, I'm really excited that we have our brother Luis Catuño who's actually a part of this going forward in that in light of what has taken place here, guys like Henry Kramer that uh, saw the need to raise up elders, that what is taking place here is something that we can spread to other places where there is no eldership. But being able to raise up men who are taking care of their families, and their wives are supportive, and from what we see in light of what the Bible tells us, being able to have an incredible impact there as well. Um, this next, uh, this next story it gives us a little bit of detail when it comes to the whole ESOL program. Let's see if I can bring that up here. Actually, uh, let's see. Yeah, the slides ended up out of order here. Um, we have Bill Ellis. Yeah, Bill Ellis, this is um, part of our ESOL program. Jose Velada became a Christian in the U.S., but then he had to move back to Aquilares, El Salvador. He, at the time, he was unable to find the church in El Salvador. He re reconnected with the church and has been bringing a group of disciples to fellowship with the San Salvador disciples once a month. He's now the new English teacher for the Hope Worldwide ESOL program. There are seven college students in the program learning English, studying accounting, marketing, publishing, graphic design, business management, all of them disciples. There's also a group of professionals in the ESO program studying English. There's an attorney, a psychologist, multiple CPAs, businessmen and women, all disciples with the exception of one. 
And they're spending some time with that individual to bring this, uh, this gentleman, Frank, along as well, who's a CPA. But just the relationships that are being built there, and again, the increased amount of impact that they're going to be able to have. He says that he's continued to teach English. He's now teaching an English class to a small group of local professionals who created their own cluster of friends, non-Christians, who have asked him to teach them English. So he does that when they get off of work at night, they get together, and obviously he's incorporating the Bible with that as a means of them learning the English language. Uh, he personally wanted to thank the Coastal Los Angeles Church and many others who have given generously to make the ESO program possible. Next slide. Okay, this is Pedro. This is really a cool story. Um, Pedro and his wife, Francisca, were baptized into the Church of Mexico City in 1998. A few years later, because of financial problems, they had to move back to their hometown near Tampico, where there wasn't a church at that time. About 10 years ago, the Monterey Church planted a church in Tampico. Pedro and Francisca, now ages 85 and 82, attend faithfully every week. This just blows my mind. They spend eight hours in transit to and from church every Sunday. That's how valuable the unity is. That's how val valuable the fellowship is to them. Their faith has inspired many of their family to become Christians, including four children, two daughter-in-laws, one grandchild, and two great-grandchildren. Wow. And you've got uh, Pedro here with Robert Arroyo, the leader of the Church of Monterey. And they're, they, he, he closed it out with God bless Pedro and Francisca and all their members there. But again, you know, we think about what we're doing, and even as on an individual level, can we really make a difference? One of the things that comes to mind for me is the starfish story. You know, we, this young kid walking along this, the seashore, picking up starfish and throwing them back into the water. And there's an older gentleman that comes along, and, you know, sometimes with age we can be a little cynical. And he pulls the kid aside and he says to him, he goes, there's thousands of them. Do you honestly think that you're going to make a difference? And the child's response to the older man was, it just did to that one. And I think thinking through the, the ability and the impact that we have, the opportunity to have here. You know, I was listening to the news the other night, and there were over 100 Syrians that washed up on the floor of Libya dead, trying to escape the challenges that they have in their home country. And to see in the, in the church in Lebanon, you have a country of 4 million people, 2.5 million of which are refugees. And understanding the impact that that has and the hatred that goes on between those cultures. But to see a young man by the name of Salah, Allah. Allah, who's Syrian, about to marry a Lebanese woman. That is so not the case there. But within the church, again, how the church unifies cultures and gives us the ability to overcome. I had a lesson prepared this morning, but just from a standpoint of time, I just want to share two scriptures with you. And really think through the way we've been blessed. Our goal here in South Bay is the equivalent of nine times what we would do on a weekly basis. Uh, last year it was ten. Next year if our, if we continue to grow and our giving stays where it is. Our multiple will actually go down. Prayerfully we'll, we'll continue to give above and beyond what the needs are internationally. But in Proverbs 19.7, again, it says, Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. In Proverbs 19.7, a verse that precedes that, it's kind of an interesting perspective on things. It says, all the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends keep their distance from him? He may pursue them with words, 
but they are not there. Though the poor pursues them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. And I think one of the things that I've loved about what I've seen going on here the last few years is we can be found. We are brothers and sisters that are making a difference. We don't disappear when a need comes up. And I think, you know, when it comes to special missions, as Jackie shared, it can solicit a lot of various reactions. I know mine have varied through the years. Uh, sometimes I'm much more joyful about it than others. Uh, sometimes it's more of a challenge than others. But when I, I've had the opportunity to see the difference that we can make and how blessed we are where we live, whether it's nine times, ten times, a hundred times, we have the ability. We've been so incredibly blessed to live in a country where we can do this out in the open and not be concerned whether or not we're going to go to jail or even end up dead. And that we have brothers and sisters that are willing to take that stand who are making $100, $200 a week, but will take that stand for Christ and make a difference in other people's lives for eternity. You know, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 8, and we were in a position where, as it was back then, the Jerusalem church was impoverished. There was, a, there was a, a lack of food. And just to see the Gentile churches step up and make that difference, and knowing how the Jews felt about the Gentiles, but what an incredible bridge that must have been 2,000 years ago where those that had the ability to give did and what that meant for the church from a standpoint of unity. So as we go forward today, think it through. Remember, who you are, how you've been blessed, and the example that Jesus Christ has given us, what he was willing to sacrifice, what he was willing to give up so that we would have life, and realize there's anything that we do would pale in comparison, but know how God feels when we give and we make a difference in other people's lives, how pleased he'll be this morning as we really go after making a difference around the world. Let's go ahead and go to the Father in prayer. Father God, thank you for the opportunity that you bless us with today. I, I personally am excited and cannot wait to see what the outcome is, to be able to show that we can be trusted in the commitment that we've made to our brothers and sisters throughout the Middle East, Mexico and Central America, uh, that they can, they can stand firm in the belief that we love them, that we want to encourage them, that we want to be a support to them, and that we are unified in Christ. Though they may be impoverished in some ways, the thing is so amazing is it doesn't matter where we are on the planet, if we call Jesus Christ Lord of our lives, we've all been extended the same degree of priceless grace. Father, help us to never lose sight of that. Help us to be able to rejoice in our giving today, knowing that we're making an incredible difference, both here within our local community, as well as the churches that we are striving to help support internationally. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for Jesus and his example. And I pray that it, as he was very pleasing to you, we can be the same today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 